0: You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing games. In this episode, I'm joined by Adi Shalom, ad monetization lead at Playtica. Adi, thanks so much for being on the show this week.
0: Sure. Thanks uh, for having me.
1: So this week we're going to be talking about ad monetization across multiple genres, which is of course something you'd be intimately familiar with at Playtica. But uh, before we dive in, can you start by telling us a little bit about your uh, your role at the company, also your your background in gaming?
0: Okay. So, um, I actually started a few years back uh, at a company called Aditor. We were an agency mostly focusing on mobile apps, specifically on gaming. Uh, after a few years of being on the UA side, Playtica actually acquired that company to become marketing department for Playtica. Uh From that, uh, basically working on uh, projects, uh, one of them being ad monetization. Over time, grew the operation, and now... Uh, in the entire monetization activity across Playdica's games.
1: So, do you have a preference between user acquisition or marketing and monetization?
0: Uh, It's like uh, choosing one of your kids, you know. Who do you like? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, in that essence, yeah, I must say that, obviously, I'm pleased where I am, but uh, still I'm very fond of the user acquisition side
1: uh huh. Um, and is it? Are you a gamer at heart, um, or is it more sort of that gaming gives you an opportunity to sort of do the marketing and monetization side? You know, to to give full. I think you studied accounting, so is this a chance sort of? play with numbers in the, in the best way possible, or is it that you love gaming, or both?
0: <laughs> I think uh, I'll be honest with you, one of the reasons that I got in the industry in the first place was a bit of a yeah. chance, I would say. I was initially uh, interviewing for uh, something more financial, in, uh, in sense, but uh, yeah, I think my gaming background obviously uh, gives some advantage of you know monetizing for ads and uh, gaming since so you can really relate to users and what they would like and what they would like to, uh, how they would like to integrate your game obviously gives an advantage. I think uh, at least for my, my team, one of the things that I'm looking for always is uh, some gaming background is always in a plus for me. Mm-hmm. The numbers side is, yeah, also uh, could be a nice week.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, you're you're a Playtika, which is you know one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, um, and and also has been a company that's been super acquisitive over the last uh, while. There's, you've acquired Jelly Button, Augur, Super Treat, um, obviously Seriously, more recently, um, which has also added a few different genres into Playtika's portfolio, which which is you know part of what we want to talk about today. Um, How has this sort of, you know, now that you have more casual titles in in the portfolio, has this changed the culture of the company at all?
0: Uh, I think uh, the way Pletica was originally built and the way we operated uh, from back in the day is that each studio, each game basically has its own studio, its own separate entity in a sense, that is making all the decisions for that game. So in essence, uh, the addition of more games, basically they still operate independently and uh, the the main focus on what I can say the main change from adding more uh, casual games to the mix. It's more on the cultural side of uh, maybe more knowledge sharing, keep growing, keep learning a bit more on that aspect.
1: I'm sure. Um, so this this sort of connects to a, a larger trend that seems to be happening in in the game industry of diversification, where more and more studios who you know obviously have the have the capital to make acquisitions are diversifying into into casual and hyper-casual or even not just through acquisitions. Why do you? I mean, are you do you agree this is a trend? And if so, why do you think it's happening?
0: Uh, I do agree this is a trend. Um, I think the main reason again. I might, might need to ask uh, one by one, but uh, I think, in my opinion, the, the reason why it happens is that there is, generally speaking, I think there is a very, very major trend in M&As. Currently, most of the big players are becoming bigger. And I wouldn't say necessarily the small ones the are, uh, are declining, but the big ones are getting bigger. And one of the ways to do that is M&As. And to do that best way to do, I think, uh, diversification, and most likely other genres as well. I don't really see any any reason why, uh, I don't know, a strategy game developer wouldn't necessarily do uh, uh, casual games or RPG games or any type of game.
1: And I, this is sort of now a good bridge for talking about the, the main focus of our... Um... Of this episode, Playtica has actually mentioned before that it thinks of itself more uh, as a monetization company than a games company. Mm-hmm. What does this um, actually mean in practice? Uh, I think there is probably some games professionals out there who who would think perhaps the two are mutually exclusive. Um, but but kind of, can you can you talk a little bit more about what that means for Playtica?
0: Um, yeah, uh, I can tell you internally how the way that we look at it. I think uh, it might sound a bit. Uh, a bit confusing at first, but uh, the idea is that we look at it as if we're a big company, not necessarily a gaming company or any specific genre of game. What makes Playtica unique is not uh, the ability to develop uh, a really nice game. Or uh, what's uh, unique about us it is the way that we can acquire a new company tomorrow and basically plug and play all the technology and the know-how. And the so in theory, even a, I don't know a flashlight app, if you acquire one tomorrow would have the same set of tools and basically applies there as well.
1: Mm. So then inside a company that values technology and, and presumably it's it's a big part of the technology, the plug and play kind of infrastructure that you're offering to games or any other consumer app is the monetization and the marketing side of things. How does that sort of definition of to as and monetization or let's say like a, a tech company position your team within a large organization?
0: Okay, so uh, since uh, the monetization uh, activity is managed on the marketing department, not the only one, but the main uh, department that is working cross studios. So the way that we operate is my team has a weekly task force meeting with a relevant uh, product, economy, VA, BI, our teams to develop the, the future even further. So regarding to that, obviously we need always to give our input on how we can leverage an increase at revenues. But... The main focus I think for us is uh, in addition to adding uh, revenues is how we can combine it in the game, not to damage anything live in the game.
1: And so am I right in thinking then that um, monetization and marketing teams are sort of sit cross studio and you're serv- serving each studio with with whatever they need in terms of monetization and marketing. How do you my question then would be sort of how do you um, manage is it a struggle to prioritize across different studios?
0: Um, yeah, but uh, I can tell you, like the we we have like a phrase in marketing here that's um, hard uh, to translate in in English, but it's uh, we want to do everything. It's not like quantity or quality; it's both. So if we, yeah, if we uh, if we want to invest more focus in I don't know in one specific game, then we're a bit low on capacity. We just increase the capacity.
1: Got it. Um... I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind adopting that attitude myself. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about the structure of the team inside the company, but also within the team, um, your structure is quite interesting. So each monetization manager works on three different titles, a casual, a hyper-casual, and a, and a casino title. Um, what advantage do you think this gives your team, uh, both the individual players and, and the team as a whole?
0: Uh, I think there are several ways uh, in which that's an advantage. I think one of the main focuses is... The, the knowledge that you can uh, get from integrating ads into, let's say, a hyper-casual game, are not necessarily applicable to a very high IAP-based game. But the ability to test new concept, new thing, it's easier to, to make changes and maybe test things on hyper-casual games, uh, in that essence, and to uh, try to replicate or at least transfer the knowledge that you get into a more sophisticated game. and thus you know, uh, having uh, a faster iteration, faster uh, uh, knowledge uh, gathering—that's like one specific example. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I think on a personal level, I think it's more interesting. You know, diversify. I wouldn't necessarily want any any of my team to get bored. Uh, only to integrate ads in, uh, I don't know, casual games or in casino games. I think uh, one of the advantage of having different genres of game is that we can offer our employees, you know. Diversify their day to day as well. <laughs> and but can do that. Uh, if I don't know, one of my, let's say I would do it differently, and one of my team will be focusing more on the casual games and one of the uh, casino games. And that will be the operation. So, even on a technically management uh, side, I would prefer to have the advantage of, I don't know, if someone is sick for a week, someone can quickly take over and it's not mm-hmm. to learn a new practice.
1: Makes sense. And of looking at it just from a, a, a high level at the moment, how does monetization differ for each genre?
0: Um, I think what's mostly, you know, I think the main the main issue everyone needs to be aware of is the balance between IEP and ad revenue. So the more IP heavy the game, the more cautious you need to be and the more uh, segmentation heavy and you need to tailor the reward type and the amount to each user and what let's say i'm a paying user and you need to i don't know my experience will be very different than i don't know someone who started play yesterday so we we need to offer something that's relevant for everyone if we're aiming for the high engagement rate so that's the way we approach things on contrary on a hyper casual uh basically most users are pretty much similar everyone is new and we don't really see any long-term
1: hmm And how do you uh, and members of your team get familiar with um new titles or or new genres that Platica acquires? Um, both on on the monetization and, and on the monetization side and more broadly?
0: Okay. Um I think one thing, uh, I'm not sure if it's unique, but something that we do is on a weekly basis, we have what we call monetization sessions, in which we, from each week, uh, each of my, each person in my team uh, reviews one specific game, in most cases, not one of our games, someone from another company, and we reviewed the entire uh, integration of ads in that game. So each week, everyone summarized what they like, what they think should work or shouldn't work. So that's something that we do on a weekly basis for all genres of game. Um, you know, to keep the keep keep ourselves on, on the toes and you know, being a, being aware of what uh, what type of integration we exist uh, outside our company. You know, to improve our operations as well as to be prepared in case uh, we acquire another company tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. That's a, that is a very high, high degree of preparation. Um, so you, I mean, we've, we've talked about the, the fact that you have a very large and diverse portfolio and that, and that certainly on the hyper casual and casual side that relies more heavily on ad monetization. Um, presumably, you're sort of also working hard on, um, on making sure that you've optimized your kind of your waterfall setup. Can you talk a little bit more about how you organize um, the, the waterfall for each different genre?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so for hyper casual, uh, since the scale is obviously larger, the waterfalls are a bit more complex. And what we usually aim for is to to maximize the ARPTA, whatever, whatever, whatever the case is. So, in that sense, usually the waterfalls are more complex, a bit more line items. Uh, we optimize uh, faster, and usually we monitor things more on a daily basis. Uh, Contrary to that, in casual games, we can have more sustainable long-term deals and uh, and, uh, we're more concerned of sustainability of the waterfall, so in some cases, the difference in the pricing could be um, usually uh, greater than in hyper-casual. You want to squeeze uh, each penny. Uh, For uh, very high IAP games, uh, the focus is a bit different depending on the segment. Just an example. In some cases, we would even uh, avoid uh, maximizing uh, revenues, just you know, to give a better experience for users
1: hmm. This this actually brings up a, an interesting point, which is something you've already sort of touched on. Um, but this this expertise in balancing IAPs and ads, which is a very sort of um, I think more and more. We've certainly seen this in at Iron Source, but more and more companies, even IAP, traditionally IAP focused games are uh, embracing ad monetization or at least are, are much more open to the potential kind of revenue that it can bring in. But obviously, there's a, a fine balance that needs to be uh, managed there between obviously sort of, you know, what experience you're serving your paying users versus your non-paying or you're on the way to paying users. Um, so from, from your perspective, as you're sort of um, diversifying into casual games, perhaps using a little bit more with rewarded video um, and, and, and how that can work to boost IAPs, I'm, I'm curious about what you call the IKEA effect.
0: Okay, uh, so that's a tricky one. I'll be honest, it's uh actually coined by uh, an economist called uh, Donna Rielli, I think. So I might have misused the name a bit, but uh, I'll give you an example of uh, something that you and um, a specific methods that we can think of optimizing or boosting uh, in the revenues or any other really, ad revenues. So there is um. There is a concept in which, uh, if I'll give you something for free, uh, you won't necessarily uh, treat it as, uh, as if you were, um, if you needed to work for it. As an example, uh, you can, uh, as a reward for showing, for watching a video, I can give you, um, I don't know, a 20% coupon for, um, I don't know, uh, a pack of points. Okay? So, I could give you that reward for uh, seeing an ad. And instead, I can just give you the coupon. Regardless, we do uh, all the time. We also we give sales without any conditioning. But the uh, effect sometimes for uh, users having to work for it, meaning to see the ad 30 seconds in length in order to get it, uh, in some cases make them feel, yeah increase their value in uh, for them, and in some cases could even boost uh, in a private That's an example of something that uh, could be done. But' listen uh, least in my opinion something that's uncommon monetization uh when focusing not just on ad revenues as a, as a standalone but also um monitoring the IAP revenue mhm
1: so what you're seeing is that um, through using um, ad monetization, presumably specifically rewarded video, it's having a, sort of a network effect on, on IAP purchases as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, for very high IAP um, uh, revenue games, I think the main focus should always be, for us, the number one priority is to maximize revenue, regardless if it's ad revenue or in a pre- That's the way we look at it. And for other IAP heavy games, I would recommend the same. Just ma- it's a matter of how you maximize the revenue, not just. Accurate. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm pre- I'm assuming that it's called the IKEA effect because we like our IKEA furniture more because we built it ourselves. Yeah,
0: that's the, <laughs> that's originally the assumption. Yeah.
1: I see. Um. And and how? What are some of the ways that you guys implement um rewarded videos to boost IAPs?
0: Um. Trying to think of a, a specific example, but not too specific.
1: <laughs> right? You can't give away your secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. You need
0: to, you need to save something. Um, so I'll give you an example. You can use it for the one One of the advantages of uh, rewarded videos is you get uh, an attention from users. That, uh, that's the reason why it's more effective, let's say, for officials or banners or anything else. So basically, it's a communication channel you could use for anything. Um, so in some cases, obviously, if you want to maximize ad revenues and that's your focus, obviously, you want, you want to sell that uh, thirty second attention. But could be used for anything in that case. So if you have, I don't know, a new feature coming up, you can, I don't know, uh, show a specific video, you know, like uh, tease, um, teasing the users uh, um, for a feature that should be launching in the next two days, something like that. So there are many ways you can use that as more of a communication channel rather than just... Industry.
1: I like that Rewarded Video is a communication channel um, and, and what kind of um, are there specific placements or integrations that you see um, will, will get just more engagement than others
0: um, I think it's uh, the way we look at it is we need to tailor made it by game so in some cases we do see uh, you know common uh, common testing that we see working pretty much the same across games but uh, the way I think, I think I can give you an example of uh, one of the uh, Google games in uh, June's Journey, The one of the uh, performing uh, placement that they have is for, uh, I think, the 50% sale on energy before you start. So basically, a user enters the game, uh, the usual flow that he he has, and has the ability to, to have 50% off for all these uh, resources that they should be spending regardless uh, for the next uh, 20 minutes. In that case, it comes naturally to users since it's in the normal flow of the game. So the more uh, connected the uh, integration is, the flow and the, the actual product, uh, usually we see much, much, uh, much better engagement for um, it. Regardless to that, uh, for other games that we didn't necessarily had ad from, beginning and it's complex to you know, integrate ads into an existing game. Um, in most cases, users are, are vary in uh, between what they like. For some users, they would like to get more lives or more coins, boosters, or anything. So the way we look at it is to have an option for each one. So for specific users, we would, would have placement that allows them to get boosters for others lives or whatever it is. So basically, we were trying to aim for different type of rewards.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm assuming this this requires, therefore, quite quite robust segmentation.
0: Um, yeah, more than one placement, uh, I think, is always, a, uh, I would say, a must in most games. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's a must if you want to really maximize the potential of your users. Uh, there are cases in which you can you know, uh, hit the target on the first, uh, first attempt. But in most cases, then users are not really the same. would say it's more for complex games, necessarily for hyper casual games. But for the more uh, complex games, we usually need to tailor make uh, different scenarios of the integration. Mm-hmm.
1: And and more generally, what mistakes have you seen other developers make um, when trying not to cannibalize IOPs with ad uh, placements?
0: I think over segmentation is one. Um, give an example. I heard from one developer that he excluding all paying users, so um, regardless of anything. So in that case, I would say that again, for everything should be tested, and you know, see the effect. And even if you see some negative impact on paying users, I think you can still tailor made uh, the capping, the frequency, everything uh, to match uh, segment. If you're trying to avoid paying users as a whole, I think uh, another common mistake is that most developers uh, forget that their traffic, someone is it. So, like you want on the UA side, you want the best quality, you want the, the paying users. If you're blocking paying users completely, the overall effect in your CPM is too dramatic. Too broad segmentation combined with uh, limited understanding of how the UA side operates on your traffic. I think a common mistake.
1: So in a sense, also, it's about having an understanding of how monetization and marketing work together and not in silos. Yeah. Um, And as a final question, um, because we're we're running out of time, what advice uh, would you give to developers who have traditionally focused on IP monetization, probably much as as Platica has, and are now looking to incorporate ad monetization?
0: Uh, My main advice is that it could be done. Meaning that even if you're the the negative, uh, you experience a negative approach from anyone, in the company. Um, it everything everything could be solved. It just takes time, take testing, and if you need to be on the cautious side, be on the cautious side. That's fine. But in my opinion, I think uh, monetization is something that could be applied or or to be used in very heavy AI games, regardless of the way you see the games operating right now. So be positive be you know be proactive give testing. thing but you need to find your way to do it.
1: awesome good advice i think um thank you very much adi it's been really interesting to chat i'm now going to go away and try and find the ikea effect at play in my life more generally um tune in next week everyone for more game industry experts talking all things game